I've entitled tonight's message, Revivers, O Lord. And it's taken from 2 Chronicles 7, 12 to 20. Remembering that time when Solomon had finished and dedicated the temple and the glory of the Lord fell. So that uh, the people were prostrate as the presence of God came with power upon them. As we look around at world events that are going on amidst the COVID pandemic and uh, lots of other things happening to this uh, dreadful explosion and terrible tragedy in uh, Beirut, Lebanon uh, yesterday, uh, these things have been allowed by our God. They've certainly caught our attention and for many of us, they've been a real wake-up call. We hear many people and prophets uh, of God uh, declaring that revival is coming. Uh, we see a greater spiritual openness amongst people. We see people tuning in online. We see people accessing prayer resources. Uh, we in the UK are yet to see that uh, converted into concrete commitments and uh, churches growing across the board. But there are early signs of encouragement. We've been praying for revival and uh, I'm sure many of us long for it in our hearts. But what does revival really mean? What uh, fosters it? What fuels it? What brings it. Uh, it's the consuming presence of God which falls in a place. It transforms people. It transforms places. It transforms nations as the manifold presence and power of God comes upon a place. That is what happened here in Wales in 1904 and uh, when the presence of God would fall. That's what happened in Izusa Street and uh, spread around the world. And uh, as the power of God fell, you could feel it uh, up to a mile away at places. And then people would just be convicted of their sin and they would turn to God uh, with great weeping and sorrow and uh, rejoicing to find Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So we're a long way from that kind of revival but there are early signs that spiritual uh, awakening and spiritual openness is coming in people's hearts. Uh, as this passage we've been looking at is as I've said when Solomon completes not just his own palace but the temple that God had asked him to, to make. Uh, David had prepared and got ready all the materials and Solomon now has finished it and they, they come and they dedicate the the temple, they consecrate themselves, and in that great uh, gathering, the uh, presence of God falls, and uh, the people fall prostrate before God. And, and a little later, Solomon, uh, God appears to Solomon a second time, and uh, in answer to his prayer. Solomon has been praying uh, steadfastly and seriously and um, committedly. And God has come to answer his prayer. And uh, Solomon reminds him of the great choice which was put before 
uh, Israel in Moses's day, and we read about it in Deuteronomy 28. If the people of God, if Israel will obey and follow God's commandments and ordinances, if they will live in God's world, God's way, then they will prosper. They will live successfully in God's way, and uh, blessing will come upon their lives. But if they will not walk in obedience, if they will rebel, and if they will turn away, then uh, disaster and dearth and death and destruction and uh, there are 10 deadly deeds i can't remember the other six that will come <laughs> upon them uh, and uh, judgment will fall uh, and the choice before them is life or death blessing and curse and solomon is reminded of that and uh, he is he is reminded that if the people have turned away if they will humble themselves if they will pray, if they will seek God's face, and if they will come in real repentance, then God will hear from heaven, and he will heal their land. Three things that repeatedly caused the people of Israel to fall away and to turn away. Idolatry, immorality, and injustice across society. And the temple that is being dedicated in this mighty event that happens when the glory of God falls in Solomon's day became the biggest idol of all. Uh, so much so that uh, they lost sight of the God who dwelt in the temple, the presence of God amongst his people. And their hope was in the temple, that while the temple stood, Jerusalem was impenetrable and indestructible. But how wrong they were and they were carried away into exile as this passage says israel trusted in the building israel trusted in the temple rather than the lord their god their worship became more important than their witness as they gave themselves to worship he who is the light of the world they forgot that as his reflection comes upon us and his glory falls upon us and reflects into the world. They had forgotten that they were to be a light unto the nations. And uh, because of that, the judgment of God fell. Well, of course, we know and we understand from the New Testament that we are the temple of God. We are a temple for the Holy Spirit. And together, we're being built up as living stones in a holy dwelling place, a temple for the Lord our God. And the wonderful promise that is made to Solomon that if people will turn and pray with humility and repentance, then his eyes will be open and his ears will be attentive to prayer that is made in that place. God hears heartfelt prayer that comes from the temple. God hears heartfelt prayer his eyes are ever open and his ears are ever attentive to the prayer that comes from the spiritual temple that is the people of God. It is a mighty promise of the assurance and the promise of answer prayer. God loves to answer our prayers. And of course the temple was a place of praise and it was a place of sacrifice. We bring uh, praises and we bring sacrifices indeed 
Romans 12 tells us we are living sacrifices and we bring prayer that is passionate, that is persistent and that is persevering. And there are a number of different sacrifices that the New Testament and Old Testament talk about. We are living sacrifices. We bring a sacrifice of praise. We bring a sacrifice of love. We bring a sacrifice of doing good and being generous to others. And we bring spiritual sacrifices. The writers in the New Testament bring about. So we, as the people of God, we who are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we who are a holy temple unto the Lord our God, we who are a priestly nation, we bring those praises and we bring those sacrifices. But what does it mean when we cry out, revive us, O Lord? We have to make sure we get in that humble place. We have to put Jesus at the center of all things. God has to be first and foremost. God has to be the focus of all our ways. Because the answer, the solution to whatever is going on in the world is always found in God. And the victory is always found at the cross. And one day we will see all that worked out. The promise of God is if my people and his promise is I will answer. It's conditional. There's a responsibility that falls upon us to follow in the Lord's way. If we live in God's will, God's way, then the promises of God are fulfilled and the blessing of God, the favor of God falls and his presence comes amongst his people. The second thing we need to do is to come with prayer and with consecration. Serious intent, integrity, real intention to seek God and to keep seeking God, to seek God with passion, to seek God with all our hearts until we find him and to turn from our evil and our wicked ways and to repent and to come to him and to give ourselves to him fully. You know, we have to get serious with sin in our lives if we want the presence of God with power to fall. We have to get ruthless with the things that keep tripping us up, the things that keep stumbling us. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us overcome, but we have to uh, change our hearts and change our attitudes to consecrate ourselves before the Lord our God and to give ourselves in prayer time and again, steadfastly, committedly, uh, staunchly, earnestly, devotedly, and to keep on keeping on praying with all our hearts for the Lord to come. Every revival we've heard about in history starts and is maintained through praying people. So prayer is so important. And we have to walk in obedience, to hear and do, be hearers and doers of the word of God. We have to order our lives and align our hearts with God's word, with God's ways, and with God's will. That's going to mean change for you and for me. That's going to mean laying aside things. But if God has really caught our attention in these days, if God has really woken us up, we will be prepared to do those things, to get real and to get serious with God and about the purposes of God. 
because there's a direct, a direct link between what is happening with the people of God and what happens in the land and in the nation. When God's people humble themselves and they pray and they seek his face and they come with repentance and fully turn to the Lord their God, then he will heal the land. He will come and bring transformation and bring wholeness back to the nation. So as the people of God give themselves to prayer, people change, places change, nations can change, but we have to be committed in prayer. And we have to do that on a corporate level and on a national level at times. The great deliverance that came in World War II for the UK was when, uh, I think, was it King George? I think it was King George, called a National Day of Prayer. And the nation gave itself to prayer. And then all of a sudden, the channel went calm and the boats could cross. And then it stirred up again and prevented the enemy from coming in. And loads and loads, thousands and thousands more lives were saved than were ever expected. And the invasion of Britain never came. We were delivered through prayer because the nation gave itself to prayer. We don't hear things like that in the midst of this pandemic at this time. I haven't heard of one nation in the world that's gone to global prayer called the National Day of Prayer. The days we live in, where we live in a multi-faith environment, maybe are a hindrance and a barrier to that. But maybe that's what we need if we want to see revival in our land again. Revivers, O oh Lord, heal our land. Teach us how to be a humble people who pray and consecrate ourselves to you. A people who walk in obedience and order our lives according to your word and your will. Uh, this next slide has a quote about revival and I want us to think about a recipe for revival. Prayer is the burden of revival. Repentance is the breakthrough of revival. Evangelism is the blessing of revival. And holiness is the bounty of revival, says Steve Kemp. When the fire of God falls in response to our prayer, it drives us back into the mission of God. It drives us out into the harvest. It drives us to plant the seeds of the gospel and to draw people in to the kingdom of God afresh. Well, what is the recipe for revival? What is a revival recipe? And I've got a little, little anachronism for you to remember it here. And the anachronism is raw uh, because we need um, to be a people who repents. And we need to be a people who aligns ourselves with God. And we need to be a people that the presence of God overflows out through. And we need to be a people uh, of prayer. I've said raw, uh, and then I, that's a P rather than R. I can't spell today. Uh, but prayer, you see, is the fuel to fire revival. Repentance uh, is our hearts and lives being fully focused and fully turned over to the Lord our God, ruthlessly dealing with and turning away from sin and then aligning ourselves with God's 
word and will and ways and seeking his presence above all else. And then the overflow is into the church, out into community, and then to the nation, and then to the world. And the fruit of revival is holy living and a harvest for the kingdom of God. Clean, prepared vessels who give themselves in mission to the lost. So how strong is our desire? Do we really long for? Do we really desire? Are we really crying out for revival in our lands? Revival starts with you and me, people of God. Do we really want God above all else? Do we really want the consuming presence of God, our God that is like a refining fire, a consuming fire in our midst? I've been in the presence of God once where his presence came with such power that you couldn't stand in the room. It was amazing. And it was incredible. And I would love that to come again and just to uh, the presence of God come with such power and such purity and such love and such grace that people are convicted of sin and turn and align their lives with God and accept Christ as Savior. It's happened in our history. It can happen again if we would be a people that give ourselves to prayer. So revivers, I pray, O oh Lord, revivers again, O oh Lord, come and heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen.